couple of weeks ago, uh, I watched on TV a little bit of the UW men's soccer match against San Diego State University. At one point, uh, Elise Woodard, who was the broadcaster for the match, told this story about the starting goalie for the San, San Diego State team. He is actually a sophomore from this area, from Spanaway, uh, a guy named Jacob Castro. And it turns out that he was originally on the Huskies. Uh, he had been recruited by the UW head coach, Jamie Clark. He was given a scholarship. He signed and he came to play for the UW. Unfortunately, another local goalie, this one from Issaquah, Sam Fowler, in the same grade, turned out to be an even better goalie and earned the starting job. So the goalie from Spanaway, Jacob Castro, left UW to play for San Diego State. But the reason that Woodard told this story wasn't that Castro had left the UW and was now playing against them. She told the story because the head coach of University of Washington had told Castro that he was too good to stick around and be a backup. He was good enough to start on a lot of teams and that he deserved that chance. So he, this young man left UW because the head coach cared enough about him as a person to want the best for him. So not only did Castro leave UW and earn a starting position on a team that was now playing against the Huskies, for the purposes of soccer, college soccer, UW and San Diego State are in the same conference, which means that Jacob Castro could potentially be the starting goalie against the University of Washington for three years of conference matches. On a side note, UW won that particular match, but there was only one goal scored in the entire match by UW, and that was in overtime because both goalies had played so good that nothing got through. That story resonated within me for two, well, at, at two different levels. Closer to the surface is that it, it, it's a good news story about a college athlete who persevered and is doing well. On a deeper level, I was moved by what the story revealed about the type of person the coach of the Husky program is. From all that I have seen in following college sports for a long time, most coaches, I think, would have kept the guy on the team as a backup in case the starter got injured. But this coach's concern was for the person more than the program. And hearing that story inspired a great deal of admiration and respect in me for the person 
that Jamie Clark is even more than the coach that he is, and he's a very good coach. Now, in our text this morning from 1 Peter, we hear a great story, great news for us particularly, about who we are as the church. In Christ, we are chosen and we are loved by God. This is wonderful truth that can give us joy and peace and hope. But this truth that we claim for ourselves that we are chosen and loved reveals even more about God than it does about us. Certainly, the way that Peter describes who we are as the church is wonderful. Listen again to these things that he says about who we are. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Just take that last one, for instance, a people belonging to God. The uh, 20th century Scottish pastor, William Barclay, helps us understand a little bit of what this means for us. He writes, It frequently happens that the value of a thing lies in the fact that someone has possessed it. A very ordinary thing acquires a new value if it has been possessed by some famous person. In many museums, we will find quite ordinary things, clothes, a walking stick, a pen, books, pieces of furniture, which are only of value because they were once possessed by and used by some great person. It is the ownership which gives that item worth. It is so with the Christian. The Christian may be a very ordinary person, but he or she acquires a new value and dignity and greatness because they belong to God. Now, anyone who has ever watched Antiques Roadshow, as I frequently do whenever I can, I love that show, knows the importance of provenance when an item is claimed to have been owned by a famous person. Provenance is being able to prove that an item really belonged to someone famous. If so, if you can prove the provenance, the value of that item just skyrockets. In this morning's text, Peter is certifying our provenance as belonging to God. We are chosen and belong to God. Being identified this way blesses us tremendously. The other three phrases do as well. And they take on even more meaning when we know the history behind them. So these phrases, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, were originally designations given specifically to those who descended from Abraham and Sarah, the original covenant people, Israel. We hear this in our Hebrew First Testament passage. Moses is given a message by God to say to the people something 
What does he say to them? Oh, he says, You have seen what I did to, uh, to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings. I brought you to me. If you will listen obediently to what I say and keep my covenant out of all peoples, you'll be my special treasure. The whole earth is mine to choose from, but you are special, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is what I want you to tell the people of Israel. These were designations given specifically to the original covenant people, God's people. Israel. What Peter is acknowledging in this letter is that through Jesus, the Christ, these designations are now also true for those of us previously excluded by our ethnicity as Gentiles. Gentiles were basically everyone else other than the Jewish people. In fact, the Greek word for Gentile and nation was the same word, ethnos. This is a word from which we get our word, ethnic. In the time in which Peter was writing then, to be called what would essentially be our equivalent, ethnic, meant that you essentially were not Jewish. You were not a part of God's covenant people, God's chosen people. As one commentator put it then, saying Gentiles were a holy nation was an oxymoron. A holy ethnic group didn't go together. But Peter is proclaiming that in Christ, all disciples are incorporated into the covenant. All are, as we heard a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You've been called out of darkness and into God's wonderful light. And Peter adds, once you were not a people, basically you weren't special in that sense, but now you are a people, a chosen people. Through Peter's words, God proclaims that we, since most of us here are Gentiles, are chosen and loved. These designations reveal who we are. And more importantly, when we understand why these designations are true for us, we will understand how being chosen and loved reveals more about God even than about us. Because unlike the athlete in that first story I shared at the beginning of this sermon, we were not chosen because of our great skill. Jacob Castro was offered a scholarship to play goalie for the University of Washington because he's a very good goalie. The head coach, Jamie Clark, observed realized that this young Mr. Castro brought great abilities in goalkeeping that would be very helpful for his team. Jacob Castro was chosen by Jamie Clark because he had essentially earned it. 
Comparing our situation with God to that situation of Jacob Castro with Jamie Clark, I don't think that there are many of us, if any, that can say we earned it. I don't think that God was watching me for a while and thought, hey, that Doug, he's right up there with Jesus. I think I'm going to choose him for my team in case Jesus gets injured. He can be a backup. In our gospel passage, we hear what kind of people Jesus cho- or God chooses through Jesus to be a part of the team. Passing along, Jesus saw a, a tax collector. It's like a Comcast employee. His name was Matthew. Jesus said, come along with me. Later, they're hanging out, eating supper with with a bunch of horrible people. A lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. In fact, the Pharisees, the good church-going folks, saw him keeping this kind of company, and they had a fit lit into his followers. What kind of example of this? Look who he's he's spending time with. Look who he's devoting himself to. Jesus, overhearing, shot back, right, who needs a doctor? the healthy or the sick. Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy based in tender love, not religion, who's in and who's out. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. I love that. As far as God's standards for holiness... None of us deserve to be chosen. One of the psalmists once wrote that God looked down from heaven to see if there was even one righteous person on the earth. And the answer was, nope. God looked down and couldn't find a single righteous person, is what the, how the psalmist puts it. And Paul, St. Paul essentially echoed that in his letter to the Romans. Some of the commentators from earlier centuries than ours are particularly adept at bursting our bubbles of holiness esteem. Take John Calvin as an example. He once wrote, the 16th century uh, French reformer wrote, Hence it appears more fully how incomparable is God's goodness towards us. For God sanctifies us who are by nature polluted. He chose us when he could find nothing in us but filth and vileness. He makes this peculiar possession from worthless dregs. He confers the honor of the priesthood on the profane. He brings the vassals of Satan, of sin and of death to the enjoyment of royal liberty. That does not sound like anyone who is worthy of merit scholarships. But God has chosen us still. Why? Pure grace. God's overwhelming, life-changing, world-saving love. As Peter puts it, not only once were you not a people but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have 
received mercy. Jesus told us the same thing while he was with us on earth. Who needs love the most? Those who are aware of their want. Go figure what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. Even some of those commentators from former centuries could see this about God as well. Take the 17th century Scottish pastor Robert Layton as an example. He writes, he starts with a quote from scripture, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who revere him. And, this is Robert Layton continuing, And if you do not think this shows enough tenderness, God's tenderness is also said to be like the tenderness of a mother and even greater than a mother's love. This is rich mercy. It is constant, unalterable mercy, a stream still running. God chose us because God loves us. God has called us out of the darkness of despair and hopelessness and loneliness into the light of joy and hope and community all from grace, from mercy, from love. This is reason, good reason for us to rejoice deeply within ourselves, daily. These beautiful words from Robert Layton again encourage us in this. He wrote, You who do indeed participate in this happy change, let your hearts be a place where this light lives. Study a great deal to increase your spiritual light and knowledge with holiness and obedience. Reflect on God's rich love and remember God's wonderful light. As, and he quotes scripture again, you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Peter declares that we are chosen and loved. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God. This describes who we are as the church. And even more so, this speaks to who God is. God loves all human beings. God reaches out especially to those who have been left out or cast out. God chose us while we were still in darkness and undeserving to bring us into light and love. We are chosen and loved purely because God chose us and loves us. So, Peter has one more encouragement for us. Tell others about this God. There are so many of us desperate to be chosen and loved. And we in the church know where this can be experienced in the presence of God. But we need to tell the story of our experience of God. Peter puts it this way, you are a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare 
the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Part of the reason we were chosen and loved is so that we can share this story with everybody so that everyone knows that they are chosen and loved. I might have continued to assume that Jamie Clark, the head coach of the Huskies, was just like any other head coach in most major college programs, just as self-serving and focused on their own accolades as anything. But Elise Woodward shared that story that revealed something different Far too many in our communities assume that God is a judgmental overlord, exclusive, demanding, and and condemning. But all our stories reveal a very different God. Our own story reveals that God has chosen us, even when we were outsiders, out of tender love. We are chosen and loved. This is our story. And even more so, it is a story of God in Christ. Amen.